Hey, hey! Welcome back to Input 2. It's your host with the most, Dylan, and today with me is... Cade McGay. And you better sit down and plug in your headphone jacks because this is another exciting episode of Input 2. It's spooky season, y'all, and we all love those pumpkin spice lattes, but... What we really love is all of the horror of Halloween. We're back in the podcast lounge, and we're bringing you an exciting episode that's about scary movies. So, your thoughts? You ready for this? Yeah, yeah. Let's do this, man. Can't wait. Excited. Well, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about the psychology behind horror. Why do we keep coming back to those scary movies? Why do we love being scared? And what do we enjoy really about scary movies? There are a lot of cliches. Not gonna lie, the newest Halloween was a disappointment to me, but to others it might have been good. I don't, I don't know. But I'm, I've gotten so used to horror movies, I can't even like. I see what's going to happen before it happens. How do you? Oh yeah, totally. You know, because you start seeing like you see the patterns in the slasher fi- flicks, and it just, it just goes. It just yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Oh man, there's like. For there's got there, there, so many so many movies follow the same trope, you know. Yeah, Final Destination has that horror. It's like a fear of death itself. It's well, not more. Literally, the entire mo- series is the exact same movie. It's the exact same movie, but each death is different, and it's all freak accidents, and it's just. I mean, it all follows the same trope, but at least he tries to kind of keep it in a way. He tries to surprise you. The writer tries to surprise you. Um, I heard the new Candyman movie follows a cliche, don't go into the basement, and, well, this is obviously a spoiler that I read. I haven't seen the new Candyman movie. Don't go into the basement. Oh, wait, no, the killer's up in the attic or something. And I'm just (laughs) like, wow, they actually kind of twisted the cliche there. Spooky, scary, dark basement. No, the killer's not down there. He's up, he's hiding on the second floor, third floor. Have Have you ever seen the original? I have seen the original, but it's been many years since I've seen Oh, Candy yeah, I Man. saw it just last year around this time. Great time, you know. I was bored, had some free time, turned it on. Great. Absolutely loved it, you know. <laughs> okay, so have you ever asked yourself why you come back to scary movies? Because I ask myself that question constantly. And the answer that I find is that I just want to be afraid. I think throughout history, um, people crave fear. Like, we, we, we tend we don't like it. We pretend we don't love it. We hide from it. But we, we do. Secretly, deep down, I think everyone is afraid of something. And this, I think a lot of horror movies and all these things, they take that fear and they use, like, you have a laugh with it. Yeah. You confront it. And I think a lot of times you, like... It eases you out of yeah. Out of you don't you don't confront it as well. You confront it easier because there's no real risk involved with it, and that's probably what keeps us coming back for more. Yeah, because the thing is, we always fear the things we don't see every day. That's why I feel like if you go back way back in the day when they had freak shows and carnival things with people like we the the bearded lady and the two headed goat man, like. Those are things you never saw today. And people, that used to repel people. But people, they would still go to it. They would still pay, like, the... People love the strange and unusual. Yes, I agree. I agree. With you on that. Yes. So, according to a psychologist, Glenn D. Walters, no relation to me, just saying that now, he has an S on the end of his last name. Pretty sure he's not related to me. 
there are three elements that attract people to hor- the horror genre, but the thesis that I read only discussed, like, two of them. And the first one was tension, which is created by the mystery and the gore and the shock and the terror. So are, do you agree that tension just keeps people coming back for more? Yes, absolutely. The tension of, oh, it's Jason behind there. Is Freddy going to get me? I mean, yeah. it's, it's everywhere, you know? Tension's in real life. And then you have the mystery behind the killer when you go looking at their past. That yeah. People are naturally curious. They want to go back to that, and they just keep keep working at the mystery. It just keeps them in suspense, and I think that that's really how we continue coming back to horror movies, even though we're tired of seeing the same cliches repeated over and over. Yeah, I, I believe you're right. Every time I look at something, a character in every story, I think I have to find out who is this guy, who is Leatherface, who is Jason, who is Freddy, what's their story, how did they get here? It's just that goes around in my mind, and it's just this tension of why is this person killing? Why is it doing this? Well, going back to Halloween again, because, yeah, that was the most recent horror movie I watched, Halloween Kills, you know, guys. But... Michael Myers doesn't really have a motivation for killing, does he? He has a story, but he doesn't have his real motive. He doesn't have, like, a real motivation, does he? For most, because uh, I've studied serial killers. I've studied peop- a lot of people. And the thing is, they can't help themselves. They they kill for the sake of just taking a life. They find some do it for a a pleasure. Some do it for money. Some do it for thing. But they, they just do it because they like to see a human being's life go out and they're they're horrible monsters and i and there's no explanation why they kill I, it's something usually that happened in childhood something that's psychological but these things just they just do why they do but sometimes we can't even explain why true enough there's no real explanation for some how some serial killers work especially not in horror movies they try and make it a little bit more distorted from reality so it's like you know, not as scary or not as uninteresting. Like Jason, you know, he killed for his mother because his mother, the revenge on his mother. Well, he did in the second one. Actually, you know what? Maybe, I don't know. He, I don't know. He just killed teens for, I think his thing was he killed teens as a warning for sexual, like, deviancy or something. Um Leatherface killed because he was he was raised by crazed hillbillies who lived out in the mountain or out in the middle of Texas, and Freddy killed because you know Freddy and yeah, like Leatherf- the parents just killed Freddy and Freddy was yeah yeah okay. So relevance is another appeal. Humans try to find things that relate back to them um, and relate back to the characters, and I guess that. Horror movies really have a lot of relevance because in the classic zombie movie trope, zombie TV series trope, we would all love to know what would happen if the government falls. What would what would we do? Like, how would people react to that? And I guess relating to the characters probably helps us kind of figure out what we would do if the government were to fall and zombies were to run rampant, I guess. Uh, have you ever seen, um, I think it's uh, Evil uh, Return of the Living Dead? Yes, I've seen Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, and I think 
like the thing is, I've heard that there's two different the, the theory thing in that. For those who haven't seen that, um, the government, the army nukes the town. Yes, they and, they do. You know, I, I like the very rarely in movies like that will the government happens because usually you'll be like, oh yeah, the government fell apart, and it's not really explained why or how they fell apart. Yeah, that's that's the truth. So I guess horror movies keep us coming back because we want to know what we would do in a situation like that. And I, well, I believe that we also kind of just want to see a bunch of blood and gore because it interests us. (laughs) I mean, some people just love to see the slasher kill those kids because they're like... It could be, I mean, this may sound crazy, but for some people, it could actually be satisfying to see stuff like that because people people get satisfied by the craziest things you know go on your phone and you'll be satisfied by some guy clearing shock off a board or something it's just we're always been satisfied by the little by things you wouldn't even be surprised of and that doesn't make us serial killers or psychopaths um it's just i i don't know it's just human nature human nature is the most unpredictable thing true enough I agree with you. Human nature is very unpredictable, and we we find satisfaction in the weirdest of things. I mean, talk about them ASMR videos, am I right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a little bit weird. Not not knocking anyone that listens to them, but I can't stand ASMR videos. Like, I don't... Anyway, going on. Like I said before, having a movie, a horror movie, relate too closely to reality can probably take away from viewer interest. Do you want to know my favorite serial killer? My favorite, that's that's movie serial killer, not real life serial killer. Um, You know what, you know who that is? Who would it be? Mick Taylor. I have no clue what that is. Um, Mick Taylor was a killer from a movie called, uh, it was a movie, it was a book series. And it was a TV series for a short time on Sling. And he was a killer from Australia. And he killed because he didn't like people, tourists, coming into his country and killing them. And he was this, like, he could be this very funny, somewhat funny, somewhat, like, easygoing guy. But he killed people because he just, he was very, he was a racist, xenophobe person. And I came from a community where... People just, they really didn't have very modern views on stuff, and they really didn't. And I'm not going to say these people were killing people or doing anything bad. They just, like, they just, I, like, he just seems so relatable because he reminds me of so many people that I grew up with and knew that I could have actually met Mick Taylor. And that's what the scary, that's, that's why I find him so scary because he's just so relatable to me personally because I knew people like that. I mean, they that, that ties back into relevance. I mean, if the movie's relevant and it can't relate back to you, yeah. it keeps you interested. Mm-hmm. You've just perfectly described one of the theories that Dr. Walters, uh, well, technically he's not a doctor. He's a psychologist, but yeah. Well, he's still a doctor, you know. He has a doctorate in psychology. So he probably has a doctorate in psychology, yeah. So yeah. That was one of his things, like one of his three things that keep people yeah. coming back. The thing is, I don't find Jason, I don't find Freddy, I don't find them very scary because they just they're just so they're 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 aliens to me. They're just they're think they're people that I just can't imagine seeing these people coming after me in real life. You know, 
I mean, back when I was a kid, those movies were scary. But nowadays, I'm just like, well, that's, um, I've, I can start predicting how these movies turn out. Like, when they do a remake, I know where Freddy or Jason or Michael Myers are going to pop out. Because they're not really relatable enough, but they're scary. Like, they, they have the classic scare factor. The but only, the original movies did them better, but still... The only remake I actually do like is the remake of Friday the 13th because they made Jason more realistic. Because that that's... If you haven't seen the movie, basically, he is... He, he becomes an outdoorsman. He becomes someone who you can tell has been living out in the woods and surviving for his entire life. Yeah. So, we've already talked about tension and suspense and... How it does keep the audience hooked. We both believe that this is the best way to keep the audience hooked. So there's there's another reason we like horror flicks. The escapism. And just the random ways people die. I mean, it's always funny to see someone get clocked by, like, one of those high speeds. Like, sometimes there'll be high speeds flying projectiles that are, like, regular everyday things that hit them and they just croak. I mean, I just think that's funny. I think, especially when the character is a really poorly acted, just an, an absolute asshole character, and they get killed, then it's ten times better. When when there's when there's like the stereotypical teenager, like, hey like, man, I'm out of booze. Oh really? Go down the street and get some. Uh, shut up, lady. I'm done, not done beating you yet. Yeah, pretty much. When they're just stereotypical like that, I can't help but love seeing them croak. I mean, when the killer kills them, it's like watching the least favorite character of the series die. You're just like, ah, yes, that's a win. Shelly's dead. Oh, Shelly's dead. He's killing me. He's killing me. And then there's always, there's always the poorly acted people that keep on going. You would be dead by now. Why do you keep talking? Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the next part. Like, my favorite thing is um, when they, they filmed the scene in Friday the 13th where I can't remember which one it was. It may have been the seventh or the sixth one. I can't, I can't remember exactly what, what it is. There are so many but, movies. like, there's one scene where Jason goes underneath there and he think I think he takes his hat. He, he take, I, think, I think it was a bow. And, no, not, no, and it was an arrow. And he stabs this girl through the raft with her and she makes the stupidest noise. She's like... <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, even if that, we could probably get some professors in here to actually, like, verify that this noise would be made, but we're just like. No, it's, it, it sounds like she's just. Would, these, these noises probably wouldn't be made in real life. I mean, maybe a little bit of the sound of blood in the lungs, maybe, but I don't, I don't think that the noises the actors make sometimes it makes are the, just like. It's the noise I make when I'm, like, super frustrated. That's the noise she made. Yeah, so we just like watching shitty characters die pretty oh, much. Yeah. And, you know, we love the escapism that the movie provides. I mean, if we can get if we can get into the movie, like, really well and kind of be like the characters, we could just sit there and think about all the things that we would do differently and just be like, ah, I wouldn't run down there if I were you. Like... Sometimes we can relate to the characters, but yeah. other times we're just like, why are you making this stupid decision? It's it's just yelling at the TV screen for me. 
I think a lot of it has to do because they're, they're like they know what they're doing. I think sometimes they know, but other times just they're just telling a story, you know. Yeah. Okay, so now that we've discussed the psychological opinions, we're gonna we're gonna do some health related things. You know, horror movies can't help you improve your health. Of course, they also make you addicted through the flight or fight response and the adrenaline that courses through you when you uh, when you get to a particularly tense moment and it releases. I mean, th- that is why we come back to horror films pretty much. Do we just love that tension, the mystery, or do we love that sweet rush of adrenaline that we just get from the, the most exciting parts of the movie? Yeah. Um, I think... I, I, there are two sides. I think one side is you can really help someone with just escape into another place they could help get better because that's a lot. With, that's how I feel about books and movies and all sorts of entertainment. It's just you can escape someplace for a while and just rest and then come back. But I do feel like it does kind of desensitize people to stuff like that. It does desensitize some people. So is it adrenaline that you think is just making us come back to it because we're excited. We want to see what happens next. We're Oh, yeah. I, mean, I think for any good movie, adrenaline, like giving someone adrenaline, being like, what happens next, what happens next, what happens next, that's part of building a really good story. That's why things like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Star Trek are such good um, series. That's why they've been going on for such a long time because they all, people have made them know how to make a story flow and how to give high-pass motion that makes people want to stay there and be connected to what they're seeing on screen. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. So, horror movies, a way to experience dangerous situations without actually having the dangers. As I mentioned earlier, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it earlier, (laughs) but I I feel like this helps us build coping mechanisms. Like, in real life, we're trying to figure out how we would face this danger, and I think horror movies just, like, kind of help us figure out how we would face this danger IRL. Yeah, you know, because I, um, I, you know what, no. I think in some cases, yes, but some cases, no, because I do. Because some of these movies really will give you an unrealistic expectation of how to do stuff like this, and some won't. Um, it depends on what the movie is. If it's something like... Friday Thirteenth? No, I don't really think. I mean, yeah, the character, the the person that you're fighting against isn't going yeah, to be cause he's super, super. He's like super. He comes back like seven times. There yeah, are like seven yeah, movies, man. and then you have Jason H two O, and then there's like one set in New York. Jason just keeps coming back. I mean, some of these give you unrealistic expectations. The Scream movie doesn't. I mean, the killer dies. And then you you have a different. Well, the scream camp. killer, he's just a regular guy. Yeah, he just they they come back, but it it's not the same person each time. It's just a regular dude. And scream Michael would Myers, be like one that's like like Michael Myers. He's uh, he's not a regular dude. He comes well, he back. apparently he's indestructible for some unknown reason, and I never clear why. They, I mean, in Halloween Kills, uh, spoiler alert here, by the way. They say it's because he feeds on fear, but um, so that he's sounds like a wise G- now. I, I yeah, I don't know. So he, I I have no clue. Have no um, clue. so I I figure that some of these movies will be able to prepare you for dangerous situations, 
but some of them definitely will not because they will give you unrealistic yeah, expectations. Yeah, unrealistic. Um, have you ever seen Season of the Witch Halloween? I probably have. Um, you know, like the thing was, so the original idea for the series was to have it was been an anthology series, and the best movies would have sequels. Yes. But they got to they made Halloween one, Halloween two, and they're like, okay, we're gonna move on. They got to the third one. They, they it, people hated it. And it was about a mass maker who wants to kill, who wants to sacrifice children to his Celtic god. I mean, yeah, there are some movies that are just completely not helping you do with anything. Yeah. Another thing horror movies can probably help us do is cope with stress and anxiety. Because usually stress will start to build up when we're getting to, like, a part of the movie where it's, like, the scariest part of the movie, even though... I am now desensitized to, like, every <laughs> every scary movie cliche. I have been desensitized. Horror movies don't make me jump anymore. Cheap jump scares get me more than horror movies get me. Like, but we're, we're, we're going to talk about cheap cliches here in a little bit. But your your thoughts on helping oh, get cope with oh stress? Yeah. The thing is, I will always put on a really corny movie of hard. Like, like let me just, des- let me just have a laugh for a while. From its, like, the sci-fi horror in the 50s, which is, like, Plan 9 or Brain from Planet Arrows or Invasion of the Saucer Men. I recommend you do check out Plan 9. Um, the director who made it, Tim Burton, made a movie on him, which is completely awesome. It's called Ed Wood. Um, it's, like, because the thing is, I love, I love, any movie can take me out of the thing. Every movie can let me just de-stress and imagine myself in someone else's suit for a while. And I could, I can't be just Cade McGay hanging in his freshman dorm room all day. I could be, I could turn a movie and be Luke Skywalker, or I could be uh, Captain, uh, I could be uh, Captain Han Solo or something like that, or just just someone else for a while. Yeah, I'll turn on a horror movie, and it will help me de-stress sometimes because it gives me a good laugh because of all the cliches that I see. Yeah, that's good. That's I'll, good. I'll either roll my eyes or I'll laugh. I mean, at this point, I don't jump and I don't react as bad. I mean, Haunted Houses get me more than more than a horror movie does, but Haunted Houses have a bunch of jump scares. I got and, kicked out of a Haunted House once. Oh, I got kicked out for laughing one too many times before, but um, I was did back when I was younger. Story. This happened recently. I think it was last month, uh, a... Haunted House employee got it was he's now arrested. He brought he was offered a knife by the Haunted House, but he decided to use his own real knife instead. And he ended up stabbing some stabbing a twelve year old in the toe. You gotta use those plastic knives, guys. Like why would you even use a real knife? Yeah, so haunted houses don't use props. Anyway, back we're gonna get back on topic here. But yeah, I, I feel like horror movies can help you cope with stress. Um, yeah. I mean, they've taught you better coping mechanisms because once you get to the scary part of the movie, you're, I'm not as scared anymore. I don't, I don't feel the tension in the climax anymore yeah, you because I and you feel more tougher. More. I, I I've coped with it and I've just gone through it. Like yeah. it doesn't scare me anymore. I think one thing one thing about it is they let you face your fears without facing your fears. True. That is one of the points of like one of the like one of these things that was written down for my thing. But yeah, it was all about facing fears in a manner that's not like physical. Mm-hmm. So I can agree with you on that. I 
yeah, I, I've studied movies, I've studied psychology, I've studied folklore, and I've studied all these things, and I could understand, like, just how, like, you, I, I, I don't, I'm not, like, a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, but the thing is, I, one thing that always puzzled me is the human mind, and how different people react in different situations. And I've studied people from, you know, Davy, I was reading Davy Crockett's autobiography before I came here. I was, re I've studied serial killers. I've studied uh, politicians. And it's just amazing how much, how, depending on the conditions, what the human mind can accomplish. I feel like sometimes we just like horror because it's a way to express our darker sides of ourselves because everyone has a dark side. Everyone, yes. You can try and lie to me and say that you don't, but some of us aren't going to go out and be psychopaths I mean, and start you know, murdering people. We're little people. kids and, you know, we're building, playing with our blocks and then we're smashing the blocks, you know? Yeah. Like that's... Or you'll, or you'll get a magnifying glass and start burning ants with I them, never like... did that, but... Some people just... have done that just because it's like... I melted army men, but... Yeah. But like that, the, the thing the thing is that's just basic human instinct. You know, you can't really raise someone in an environment that you can't really put someone in a good place and be like, okay, you're gonna be here. There's gonna be no violence. Use that. A dark way will manifest itself. Like sometimes, if it's you gotta have those healthy coping yeah, strategies. You know? Like in Minecraft, go blow something up in Minecraft. Oh yeah, that's a good way to express your rage or your hate or whatever darkness you have. Go kill animals in Minecraft. I mean, I mean, yeah. Because the thing is, if you're doing it in a video game, like I really don't see anything bad with it. Because if you're relieving stress in a video game by just fooling around with guns and stuff, if you're doing that in real life, yeah, please you do not be doing that in real yes, life. Yes, please, that's like, you. That's not safe. That, that, that we we do not condone violence here. <laughs> anyway, um, and then there's always the the thing we we like we like to think that we're smarter than the victims in horror movies. And we, we, I mean, the thing is, you can't really are. can't put yourself. You can't really put yourself you into the horror movie because you because everyone everyone reacts differently to everything. You know, you can't be like, oh, if I was there, if I was in World War Two, I would have punched Hitler in the jaw. The thing is, you don't know that. You don't know. You don't know how you would have reacted. Like, yeah, you don't know how you would react to being in the Civil War, being in a movie, or being anything else because you don't because you're you, but and they are they. Characters are obviously over-exaggerated in movies oh, anyway, yes. so we are definitely 100% smarter than horror movie characters. Can I say that right now? You like to think you wouldn't turn your back on a killer that's been downed? Good advice, by the way. If you're fighting someone, don't turn your back on them until you're sure that they're either unconscious or in a place where they can't hurt you. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think that that would really... Um, I feel like if I was in a horror movie, I, I would probably turn my back on the character, but I would make sure that I made sure that he is down for the count for good before. But, yeah, act, it's all acting. It's all over-exaggerated. Oh, yeah, you know? I, I mean, we like to think that we're smarter than the victims, but horror movie victims are just actors portraying the storyline. yeah. Because they're going to turn their back on the killer, and you're going to be like, oh, no, he's going to get up. And what does he do? He gets up. And you're like, wow, no one saw that coming. Uh, you know, I think sometimes they are based off of real people in real situations. I know that um, 
I know Friday Thirteenth. No, no, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was based off of a real condition called it was that was found to be in like real condition called like sleep. It was some sort of sleep disorder, and um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was based off a real event that happened in Plainfield, Wisconsin, in the fifties. I'm not gonna go into that because it's not very uh, it's not a very good topic to talk about. We, we we're trying to keep we're trying to keep on our tasks here. Not gonna lie, guys, but sometimes we're getting a little bit off track because oh. we we know the history behind horror movies too, and we like know our yeah. know if our anyone, events. If it's just based on a true story, it is. But the exact story that's seen in that movie, yeah, the is exact not story true. is not true because yeah, you know they have to exaggerate it and make it sellable. They want this killer to be immortal to come back. So they can have more sequels and they can make more money. That's how it works. I guess when you're purely evil, apparent like you can, you're more tougher. I guess I don't. I don't know. Oh my gosh. So moving on, a horror movie is never complete without the music and the cliches. But we're not a music um, podcast. We're the movie podcast. If y'all want to hear about horror movie music, which we're going to talk about a little bit anyway, because who doesn't know about those killer soundtracks that make the horror movies? Yeah. But if you want to hear more about horror movie soundtracks, um, my podcast editor, Sam, should have done an episode for Remixed that has everything to do with horror movie soundtracks and how they're composed. And I think he was going to get a music teacher in to, and maybe a psychology teacher like a like the professors, and they were going to describe how that stuff's made. I, I do have an article on it that's like we all know, we all love the eerie vibes behind Jason. I mean, you got Michael, you've got all of those Bob soundtracks. Yes, a horror movie is never complete without its soundtrack, but it's also never complete without its cliche either. And we're going to talk about the cliches. Well, unless you've got something you want to say about the, the soundtracks besides what I'm, I'm... I think in every movie, music soundtrack is always set to music. In every movie, I think if you, like, because music gives emotion. I've, like, I've studied music, and I think the best example of music in movies is Martin Scorsese. Because if you follow the good Goodfellas, because it, it tells, the music tells, his music tells a story as equally as the characters in the story themselves. And I feel like every movie, if every movie, like I feel like every movie, that's what every movie should do. The music should tell a story as equally as the characters themselves. I feel like The Shining wouldn't have been as creepy without its final role on its soundtrack at the very oh, end. Yes. you know? The very end's like a very happy thing, but no, terrible things went on in the hotel. And... Otherwise, it would have just been like, oh, it's a little family movie, blah, 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 blah. Oh, you and know. The, with the with the dad descending into a madness that was caused by the hotel itself. I will admit, I got, um, I did, I was, when you said The Shining, I was thinking about um, the Bates Motel movie. <laughs> What's it called? Um... Psychopath? Psycho. Sorry, I get. American I Psycho. just got shiny mixed up with Psycho for um, one minute. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. 
So we're going to go into the cliches now. <laughs> We've got slasher flick cliches. We've got the zombie movie cliches. We, he's over here sighing. He's thinking about it's all of these not cliches. Really, it's not up. really like, I think I really don't like zombie movies that much. Oh, well, I'm, I'm Unless you count mommy movies as zombie movies, then yeah, I'm totally about them. I've watched too many zombie movies, and there's no horror value in it anymore. Yeah, I it's just, just watch, basically survival. I just watch it for the gore value at this point. Like, depending like, on, like, unless it's white zombie, then... Admitted, I've watched zombie strippers. Hilarious. I, I just watched I mean, I could tell comedy. by the title, it's probably a comedy movie. It's more of a comedy movie than it is a horror movie. Oh, yeah. And then Zombieland is more of a comedy movie than it is a horror movie. Watch any Bella Lugosa movie. You'll Lugosi, not Lugosa, sorry. <laughs> Especially Dracula. So Polygon gathered up some experts with it, like within the writing community. These are people who write horror movies, write cli- write all of these cliches that we see, and they talk about what what makes a good cliche and what makes a bad cliche. Well, technically, they talked about tropes. Tropes are the same thing as cliche. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. So, like the first three pieces of the article that I read say that the cheap jump scares and the appearance of something in a mirror in a light in a in a brightly lit room are like two of the best clichés that are like out there. I can agree with that. What what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think clichés they kind of do set the tone. Like to be, they're like a blanket be like they lead you kind of lead you in there be like, "Oh yeah, you saw this in this. Well, we have it here too." And it eases the person in there. So they're actually t- they kind of are good for the story because it just allows person to hook on to this because they've seen they've seen it before. But yeah, they've sometimes, seen it before. Sometimes studios just wear them out, and then you're just like, yeah, because wow. it is kind of hard right rewriting stuff for new. True enough. I I haven't seen a new horror movie with an original thought in a little while. Not gonna lie, but I think the last one I saw where that was really really I really liked was probably the Lighthouse by. Um, Robert Eggers. I've actually seen that one. I didn't watch it all the way through, but I thought it was pretty decent. Oh, you got it. It's, it's a, a slow one. descent into madness, I and mean, it was great. Yeah, it That's was. That's the one with Robert Pattinson in it, right? Yeah, like, Robert Pattinson, William Defoe. The the sparkly vampire dude. I watched that for the Batman podcast I did last year <laughs> because I was like, ah, oh, let me get a better idea into Patton, Pattinson's acting style. Because all I remember is Cedric Diggory, Sparkly Vampire from Twilight. Those are the only two I thought you about. You know, he does that whole speech thing about cursing him. He did that whole speech thing without even blinking. Yeah. Once. Because, like, that's how good William Defoe is as an actor. But, yeah, The Lighthouse was very decently written and kind of scary. It was a slow descent into madness and... Ah, oh, whatever. I, I'm not, I'm not going to give away spoilers for that. So yeah, don't really. If you you, you if you, really if you guys it. are horror buffs, I mean, you'll go you'll go watch it. I I thought it yeah, was okay. You know. Um, I one cliche I really love from like horror movies is the one where the dude that's performing the autopsy, the doctor that's in the morgue, mm-hmm. is eating like a sloppy sandwich. Or, like, some form of food in the morgue while the body's just sitting there resting on the table, decaying. I'm what like, was, What movie was this? Have you ever seen Jane Doe on Netflix? No, I've never seen that movie. You know, 
I don't know if you'll like it or not, but it's like the only more scene I think I know of is like in Friday Thirteenth, where the guy they bring her in there is like, cute girl, she's dead. Well, she still is. Go watch Jane Doe on Netflix, and you'll you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I I like I like that cliche because I you fi- have to watch that. I've never heard about that. I I find it funny. I, I, I find that cliche funny, but I, I think that's just me. I have a smile in my voice. I, I know you all can tell. Yeah, just, he always yeah, he's constantly smiling. He's a good, very good smiler. Yeah, I just like that cliche. I don't I don't know why, but <laughs> I just find it funny. I don't, I, I don't know. Okay, moving on, moving on. Jeffrey Reddick. I mean yeah, Reddick. Yeah, he's the writer behind the Final Destination series. We all know how he loves to just like kill people off in freak accidents but he says he likes to twist tropes or cliches he wants to surprise the audience by lulling them into a false sense of security and then hit them with that twist and i feel like it would be great if more writers could do that and what what do you what do you think about twisting tropes and coming oh, at the yes. audience with a surprise? i agree perfectly you know I think doing that because, like, because I've seen that movies where I've actually written my own movie, where I've done that. I've written scripts where I've done stuff like that. I wrote, I wrote a, it was a ripoff of the first, uh, uh, it was the uh, the first Friday Thirteenth movie, and I did that a lot. See, I've seen fan fictions. Okay, I'm a nerd. Don't. Don't blame me hey, here. Hey, it's all right. I, I've seen fan I'm fictions. Not sure anyone, you know, if, if you are, I'll, I'll go to your house in the middle of the night. I'll get you. But yes, I have seen fan fictions and books, like real books, with cliches in them. And I, I helped write a fan fiction. Okay, y'all know I'm a nerd. I went to Indianapolis Comic Con over over. Oh, I over always the wanted to do that. That was that was a fun time. But yeah, I helped write like three or four fan fictions. I took cliches, and we twisted them, and people loved what we did. I helped co-write these books, of course. So the ideas were mine. I helped. Yeah, you're gonna twist. I would love to see that. I just helped twist the cliches. Well, it was it, they were Percy Jackson fan fictions. Okay, don't judge me. I know that the movies were horrible. The books. Yeah, were don't great. judge me. The books were great. But yeah, I took I took those cliches and helped twist them into something. The, the audiences, there's like over a thousand people that have said, "This is great. This is fantastic." I just like to see cliches that are written and twist them, and I think that that's that's how people should write more, like in movies and in media. They need to take those cliches and try and find a new spin to put on them. I know it's 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 very tough. E- everyone can agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. There, a lot of originality has slowly gone away um, because we're all forced into oh, yeah, things, this you, type you of education. You can see anything you want now. Yeah, you can see almost anything on the internet. If you've got pe- there, there are people that make fan movies that are very good, and then there are people that make fan movies that are very oh, bad. Yeah, I'd rather written. watch a fan movie with a budget of ten dollars. Than a that's but if it has a good storyline a good plot. if it has a good storyline a good plot and they know how to execute it well I th- I think that a fan movie yeah yeah I watched a movie it was about, it was uh it was Predator but it was set in the medieval era 
and it had it was basically it was if a they, Muslim trying to help Crusaders catch the Predator. Yeah, if they have good props, and if they have a good storyline, you can just sink into a movie and get past that. And if you if you've twisted a cliche like into something that you can own. I think it's fantastic. Yes, yes. It, it would make the horror movie industry better. It would make any industry better. A lot of our creativity is dying because, you know, we're all being forced into memorization and schools, and not many people are encouraging creativity nowadays, and it's it's very kind of sad. I went to lie. a school, I went to a rural school in Indiana, and they really didn't, the special arts thing there was not. They, it, it, they basically, they built a wall between us. I, I agree with that. Um. I went to small town school. Oh yeah, know, they really, they Indiana. hate. They don't do. They do it not was, their educate their special it, arts. It programs. was more STEM, um, agriculture related, football. We're not like we're, if you're in these things, we're not bashing you. We're not if, bashing you. Um, yeah, we just feel like there could be more creative people. Yeah, because as someone who I know some great artists who have come from my school, and I appreciate them. Yeah, but they they just draw. Were and, you in uh, high school band? No. Like well, like what I was a football manager. I I didn't have anything to do with any of the arts. Yeah, I got all of my art stuff out of the way. Yeah, he's first. a football manager. I played bass guitar in the marching band. Yes, that was a thing, and I would always get frustrated because they would because I it felt like like there like there was like this wall between the the arts programs and the, f- the sports football programs and. There were people who didn't know that we had a, how good our band program was for years because. They just they wouldn't because our school didn't respect us. Okay, let's let's try and get ourselves. Yeah, back sorry, on. sorry. We I, we I, we've I both use... gone off on a tangent. Yeah, and I apologize for that. But oh my god, we just want to see more. We we just want to see more creativity in life and see more creativity in movies. Um, I'm I'm trying to keep keep myself from going off on a tangent again. Yeah. <sighs> uh, so I think uh, create one thing is creativity is. Akira Kurosawa, if you don't know who that was, he was a Japanese director. And one thing he always says, always write every day. Write. If you can't think of a story, read books. Read the classics. And just... Try and draw a little bit of inspiration yeah. from them. Not, yes. not, not too it's, much. Yeah, just, don't steal. Just take what you... Like, just absorb what as you're you read, reading. Write what you feel. Yeah. I feel like that's de- like a decent thing to do. Yeah, and look up his movies. They are pretty cool. So, in the end, the be- <laughs> the best horror movies have got to be the ones that create the twists on the tired cliche and have some type of mystery that just keeps you wanting to watch more. Yes, I agree. And they keep you coming back. So the experts really agree that you should tweet, twist those cliches and try and keep them from becoming tired. And that that's all I really have on horror movies. Um, is there anything you would like to say on horror movies to like wrap this up in a nice little bow? I think if you love movies in general, watch them. You know, because I feel like because I feel like less people are watching movies today than they ever have, and that is a shame because movies are a way of life. Movies are like the message of cinema, a message of the world. You know. They always have been. They always will be. And like, you can get a movie. Like you can feel anything through movies. You know. And so just just think about a movie you like and go and watch it and just admire how well everything is made, how everything is done. 
because for all the bad movies out there, there's always going to be some good ones. There's going to be some bad ones. And horror, I feel like horror is just something that it lets you be another person. It lets you express things you really can't think of. And you leave and you feel tougher. You feel strong. You feel like you've climbed Mount Everest without even getting out of a chair. And I guess that's about it, you know? So, thank you all for listening to another exciting episode of Input 2. This has been your host with the most, Dylan, and... My name is Cade McGay. We were so glad to have you listening to us today, and we hope to see you all next time on another exciting episode of Input 2.